Praise the Lord. I hope you can hear me. Uh, loud and clear. Excellent. Let's continue in the attitude of prayer and just commit this uh, moment into God's hands. Ask that God will be the one that will speak to each one of us. Ask that God will be the one that will minister to each one of us. Ask that you will receive an answer from the Lord today what you have been trusting him for in life. Let's continue to pray. Pray that people will focus onto the word, not onto the messenger. Also pray for me that I will deliver the message as the Lord has intended it to reach his people. Father Lord, we thank you for this beautiful time in your presence. We thank you because you have, uh, you have been with us so far. Lord, at the next phase, Father Lord, we ask that you will be available for each one of us. Father, I pray that you will speak to each one through me, not what I want to say, but what you want to say to your people, Father Lord. Even, Lord, as you speak, Father Lord, they will hear, they will listen, Father Lord, and they will obey, Father Lord. Thank you, Father Lord, for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. I was expecting to be in church, but uh, as God ordained it, uh, we are online. And uh, I thank God for the breakthrough, for us to be able to meet one another together uh, in this atmosphere of being online. I welcome each one of you for today's service. And um, what the Lord has asked me to share with you, we're in the period of Easter, okay? And uh, my theme is also going to be based on the Easter message. But I will rewind and take us back before the cross. Praise the Lord. Uh, I think this time last year, uh, my message was lessons on the cross. Okay, praise the Lord. And uh, this year, it will be lessons around the cross. Okay, because there are so many things that happened around the cross at that time. The things that happened pre and there are things that happened post Jesus' crucifixion. And there are so many eminent lessons that we can learn from that. Praise the Lord. Now, once I said lessons around the cross, I'm talking about safety. And uh, that's a word that uh, is there. And um, that word, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not too sure how many of us grew up in the village. Uh, one thing that surprised me or uh, impressed me about the village, if you go and see a lot of the women in the village, that in those days we never had a lot of these fancy agricultural machines. And we had this kind of grinding machines that would grind corn or ground rice and it's just not a finished product. And the woman would take it out and they had big trays, you know, and they would beat this, you know, and they're removing the child. They were so accurate that they would keep what they want towards themselves on the tray and what is undesirable towards the end of the tray and then they'll throw it away. You know, that was how it was done, okay? And in those days, I mean, you see bags and bags and kilos of women doing that. And that brought me back to the definition of sifting and winnowing. So what is sifting? It means to separate, okay, or separate out of through a sieve, okay? Sometimes we can be using a sieve. A lot of us know what a sieve is, okay? And another definition means to remove what is valuable, okay? To sort out what is valuable. If you're sifting through evidence, you're, off, or you're trying to get what is good. Or if you get letters coming in, if you have a lot of emails, or nowadays is is uh, is online, I'm sure some of us have junk emails, and we sift what is junk and what is valuable. And sometimes it needs to scatter. Uh, when you're baking, you can sift sugar on a cake. Now that means we're segregating, we're moving out. But the actual means is also another word called winnow or winnowing. Okay, and that was what I was trying to describe, okay? To remove something like chaff. When you have that tray, you're beating it, the wind is blowing it away. And it means to get rid of something undesirable or wanted to separate, to sift, or to select. Now, those are the definitions of sifting or, or selecting. Now, I'll come down to our youth also. Uh, maybe you understand in the terms I'll describe it to you. Uh, I can remember when I was small, part of the things that stopped me from playing football was that I was not good at football. 
And uh, we are young, and uh, when you're going to go and play outside, you have two captains. And the two captains will select from everybody out there who you want on your team. And the captains will start selecting the good ones, one there. By the time you get into the last two, if you're the last two, that means you're not very good at football. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you know. And uh, in football, uh, sometimes I was ended up being some of the last few. So I just said, well, this sport is not for me. I'd rather be selected among the first two. You know, that was safety. That was being selected. Praise the Lord. So this is what we're talking about. Lessons are on the course and safety. And we have uh, a couple of texts. Praise the Lord. And uh, uh, I'll get Brother Sam to read Luke 22, 31 to 34, and also Luke 22, 54 to 62. And after that, Brother Jebba can read 1, uh, Jude 1, 6 to 12. Now, please, you are told I want you to be engaged. Open your Bibles and read, okay? As Brother Sam is reading and Brother Jebba is reading, please follow through. I want us to understand the context of what we're talking about today. Uh, brother Sam, are you there, please? Praise the Lord. Yes, brother. Okay, please go ahead. Let's open to Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Luke chapter 22, verses 54 to 62. Luke chapter 22, verses 54 to 62. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed from a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with them, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you were saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brother Sam. God bless you. Uh, Brother Jemma, Job 1, 6 to 12. Job 1, verses 6 to 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered and said, Does, not, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all he has on every side? You have blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much, Brother Jebba. God bless you. Now, the story that we have here 
of Peter is something that was recorded in all the four Gospels of the Bible. So that shows you it was very important and it was very detailed at that particular point in time. I don't forget, God had already told Peter that he was going to deny him. But yet Peter said, no, he would rather go to prison or die with the Lord. Okay? But Peter also followed at a distance to the courtyard where Jesus was. I read together. And yet even he stood at a distance. And when it happened, God turned around and looked at Peter, making Peter realize what he had said. Sometimes I wonder that kind of look that uh, Jesus would have given Peter at that particular point in time. I'm sure it was a motherly look, uh, or uh, a look that only women can give. You know, some of us growing, you do something wrong, and your mom will look at you outside, and you know you're in soup. You know, now I see that even happening to my wife. If my son is uh, is messing up, she looks at him and she already knows. And for some of us men also, when you have done something wrong, there's a look your wife will give you and believe me, you know that, uh, okay, I've done something wrong. And I'm sure that's the kind of look that Peter, uh, that God gave Peter, but it must have been a look of compassion. It must have been a look of love this time around that he looked at Peter. And he says Peter went out bitterly. Okay? And... We're going to take some a couple of lessons from there, okay? Now, the first thing I'm going to ask is, who can be sifted? Okay? Because in that verse, Jesus told Peter that the devil has asked to sift him. Isn't it? That's what we read from that first passage that we have, okay? And the first answer to that is, anybody can be sifted. Anybody. Okay? All of us can be sifted. Imagine Peter that walked with God, but then he was a candidate to be sifted by the devil. Imagine Job was a righteous man, not like him in those days, but yet Job was sifted. So that does not mean that it must be a righteous person or someone that's not righteous. Anybody can be sifted, okay? So let's get that straight. The second one is people that God loves. God loves Job. It was even God that said, have you considered my, 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 my servant, Job? There's none like him, blameless. Okay? That's the second one. Imagine Peter. God loved Peter. Jesus loved Peter. So those can be saved are also those that God loves. Okay? The third one is those that will be productive. Okay? Peter was one of the most productive disciples Jesus had. Okay? If you go later, we're going to look at it, and you'll see how Peter became the backbone, how he became the rock of the early church. That shows that he was productive. Okay? Now, on the other side, if you're sifted, those are not watchful or prayerful. Please take note of this. People that are not watchful or prayerful can be sifted. Now, notice before this happened, before the issue of denial, where were these disciples with Jesus? They were in the Garden of Gethsemane. Are we together? And at that time, Jesus went to pray because he knew what was ahead. And he asked them to pray. But they were sleeping. And when Jesus came back, he spoke to Peter at that particular point in time. He said, Peter, he didn't call any of the other disciples, John or James. It was Peter he spoke to at that first time. Why couldn't you just stay awake while I was praying? But meanwhile, sleep had overtaken them. I believe if Peter had prayed the way Jesus had prayed, he would have survived this period. But he wasn't watchful. He wasn't prayerful. Okay? And the devil was able to get to him at that particular point in time. Let's go on. So that's what I said. So, and the last one is people that are fearful. People that cannot take a stand for Christ. If you don't stand for anything, you won't, I mean, if you cannot stand for anything, you, won't, you will fall for anything. That's what we say, isn't it? Peter, uh, Peter had opportunity to stand for what he believed or who he followed, but yet he ran away. So, I just tried to give you a definition of those who can be sifted. Anybody? Those God loves? 
those that will be productive, those that are not watchful or prayerful, those that are fearful or cannot take a stand for Christ. That includes all of us. Praise the Lord. Because one way or the other, I think we fall into one category. Praise the Lord. Now, why were you selected to be sifted? Why are you selected? Why are you the one? That's the next question I'm asking. Why are you the one to be selected to be sifted? There were about 11 other disciples, or say, I say 10 other disciples minus Judas. Why was it Peter? Now, I'm going to come back. It depends who's doing the sifting. Okay? Now, this is where I want you to, to, to understand this. Okay? The devil was trying to sift. But at the same time, it's also Jesus Christ can save someone. Don't forget what it says in Matthew 3, chapter 12. Um, Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. It says, his renewing fan is in his hands, and he will thoroughly clean out his stretching floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn out the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now they're talking about Jesus. His winnowing fan. So Jesus too has a way of segregating people that are his and those that are not his. Are we? Are we together? But I'm not looking at that aspect right now. I'm looking at the aspect now of where the devil is trying to sift us. Okay? So we're going to look at it from the part where the devil is the one that wants to do the sifting. Now, number one, okay, reason why you are selected to be, uh, to be sifted is because you are a threat to the devil. And as well, I'm very influential in the kingdom of God. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you a, a story that some of us will, will relate to. In 2017, there was a Champions League football game, and uh, it was between PSG and Barcelona. Now, in Barcelona, you have one of the best footballers in the world, uh, Lionel Messi. Okay, and in that game, PSG did not have a strategy. They said, okay. If you can take our Messi, we have a chance of winning this game. Okay? And they gave the job to one young uh, African-French boy called Blaise Matudi. And in that game, all he did was he focused on Messi. Anywhere Messi got the ball, he tackled him. He brought him down. They won that game 4-0. 4-0. And Messi was taken out of the game totally. Okay? Now, the second leg of that game, they came back with a different strategy. Unfortunately for PSG, they still adopted the strategy. But then Messi took them out, and he left two of his other strikers to win the game. And in that game, they won 6-1. Never has it occurred in the history of Champions League that people will come from 4-0 and win the overall aggregate by 6-1. Now, what am I saying is this, okay? They took out Messi in that. Because they knew the havoc that he will cause. Okay? Now, the same thing is, if you are danger to the devil, he will look to sift you because he knows what you can do for the kingdom of God. Now, what he tries to do, the devil, is tries to damage your faith. And that's what he was trying to do with, with Peter there. He was trying to damage his faith so much that you become useless to God. Don't forget, Peter denied Jesus three times. In this modern day, I would have said he has lost his salvation. Okay? Now, he wants to shelve us from any action that will benefit the kingdom of God. Therefore, he goes for our strengths, the areas where we believe ourselves to be invisible. And when the devil succeeds, we are disappointed and demoralized. Now, I'm coming back here, and that is why it's important to pray for men of God. You see a lot of men of God, and I say, oh, how could he have gone down that route? Believe me, the devil knows. Some prominent televangelists, so many people, we have so many stories. Please, brothers, don't be judgmental. But the devil knows what he's doing. Now, you might look at it, is this only men of God? But no, even your own life. Once you are a threat to him, the devil will look to sift you. You will be surprised. You will see an illness that will come from nowhere to your family. You will see a financial burden coming from nowhere just to uproot you. Okay? So it's very important for us to realize that aspect. 
The devil has a strategy in that regard. Number two, okay, why you are selected to be sifted by the devil is your destiny is glorious. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In Matthew 16, 18, it says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Peter was known as the rock. He was the first among equals. He was the leader of the early church. He was the leader of the, of the disciples. In some different denominations, they claim that Peter was the first pope. Up to now, you have a lot of cities named after Peter. St. Peter's, St. Petersburg, San Pedro. All those are cities that are named after Peter. Now, Peter at that time did not know this. But God knew. And the devil knew. Now, where would the early church have been without Peter? Let's imagine that. All the disciples were about back to fishing. All of them would have been back to their various career because he was the most influential. The devil, by cutting the head, the rest will flee. So when the devil comes against you, just know that your future is glorious. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're going through at this particular point in time, but one thing I'm very sure about is that your future is glorious. Your destiny is glorious. Regardless of what you're going through, God knows it, and the devil knows it. So you should know the strategies. In Job 42, verse 12a and uh, 17, it says, Now the Lord blessed the later days of Job more than his beginning. Understand this. But the Job I read about, that, about Job, and I, I took that other part about Job for you to, to bring a uh, 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 correlation. Not only at Jesus' time, but other time. But the Job's latter part was better than the former. The Lord blessed him more. And the last part of it is all that Job went through in verse 17. It says, Joseph, Job died old and full of days. Full of days. When someone says full of days, I want you to understand this, uh, this English here. Full of days is not only the physical age he has attained. But it also means that he has fulfilled all his destiny that God has ordained for him. That's why I say full of this. He has lived his life fully. That shall be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. That shall be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Now at the end, we will know that we have lived our lives fully to the glory of God. Okay? So, uh, I, I'm just trying to give you this, this site why you're selected. You are afraid to the devil. That's one. Your destiny is glorious. Okay? If you remember these two things, you understand what is coming against you on a daily basis. And I'm just using Peter as an example. Some of the issues that we're going through, you try and correlate it to Peter's own, you'll see. It comes in different forms. And we'll talk about it. Now, the question that I see is, then why does God allow me to be sifted? Why does God allow me to go through this? Why did God allow Peter to deny him? Don't forget in the beginning what we're reading. Don't forget the first word. We're in, the, in, the, in the beginning what we're reading, Brother Samuel. He said, Simon, Simon. In this Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan came to ask for permission. Understand this? God could have said no. Are we together? God could have said no. But God allowed Peter to be sifted. We go back to Job also. Okay? The Job fear God for nothing. Have you not made a hedge around him? around his household and around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the works of his hands and his positions have increased in the land. But now stretch your hand and touch all he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Do not lay a hand on his person. Now, what am I saying here? In Job, in Peter, God allowed them to be sifted. So people look back and say, Oh, this is a wicked God. How can he allow me to go through this? 
And that's what some of us go through. We're going through a health challenge. We're going through a, a financial challenge. We're going through a job challenge. We're having children problems with the children. And you say, God, I prayed. I want you to allow me to go through this. You're not hearing me. You're wicked to me. Have you ever had that doubt before? Praise the Lord. If you have raised your hand, it's normal. Some of us have gone through that. Some of us will, will, will echo those things. Some of us might not say verbally, but it's within you. But there's a reason for everything. Number one reason is to build you up spiritually. If God allows you to be sifted, it's for you to be built spiritually. God wants to make you a better person. God wants you to be a better person for his kingdom. And that's why he allowed Peter to go through that. Peter had a lot of defects to be sorted out. And this showed forth during the Easter period. The number one thing is Peter had a lot of pride. In Matthew 36, 24 to 25, he said, Jesus said to him, I surely I say to you that this night before the, uh, the, the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. I love that part. He was beating his chest. I said, no, I'll not deny you. I'd rather go to prison. I'd rather die with you. What kind of pride was that? And then the last part of that verse, it gives you an attribute of Peter. And he says, and said, and so said all the other disciples. <laughs> Peter was a gang leader. As he had spoken, all of them followed up to say what the same thing he said. So Peter had a lot of pride. Peter had a lot of pride that needed to be dealt with. Two, part of it, he was also lazy. Don't forget what we said. In the Matthew 6, 40, he said, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to and said to them, Peter, he didn't call any of the disciples when they were sleeping. It was Peter. He said, Peter, what? Could you not, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That was in Matthew 36, 40. It was lazy. You couldn't pray. You couldn't keep watch. Now, me and you now, let's come back home. How many of us have been able to sit down and pray and remain watchful? Even coming for night vigil, even coming for prayers, even at home, your altar. How have we been able to remain watchful and prayerful? But instead, we resort to emergency prayers. Oh, something has happened now. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. I need a prayer now, I need a prayer now. But meanwhile, if you have been watching and praying, you could have averted some of the things ahead, or God will have given an insight into it. It's the end times. We have to remain watchful and prayerful. We cannot afford to be lazy. Peter was lazy. He wasn't found at his duty post. So many things are happening in the world. I encourage you, brothers. I challenge you, brothers. Let's remain watchful and prayerful so that you will not be sifted. It's very, very important. At this end days, let it not be among the three that were sleeping. Whatever you're required to do, please suppress the flesh. Get involved. Pray. Remain watchful. When I'm watchful and prayerful, some things happen. I already know they're about to happen. Because God has said it. God has spoken it. When I'm not at my peak of being watchful and prayerful, things happen to me. They blindside me. And I start saying, where did this come from? We have the spirit of God in us. So let's remain watchful and prayerful. Another thing with Peter also. Peter was a coward. 
He had this Peter was a Peter was very was cowardly. When they took Jesus, everybody ran out. But to be honest with you, I'll, I'll give you some credit. He's still following at a distance, isn't it? He didn't go with Jesus to the end, but he was still close to him. The rest had run away. But Peter was a coward. He could not follow his master. Jesus, the person said, I'll follow you to prison and I'll follow you to the death. How bold are we to stand up for our faith in these days and times? It's no longer fashionable to be a Christian. It's not fashionable to say uh, I, have, I have certain attributes. But as Christians, we're being cowards. Sometimes we go out to even pray before eating in public. We don't want to. Sometimes they say, are you a Christian? Um, um, sometimes you don't even want to share your faith. We're behaving like Peter. Now, Peter had those characteristics. Peter that could talk and bold and speak about other things. But when he came to Christ, he was a coward. He was fearful. He had no boldness. The last thing also, you can observe from that, was worldliness. His denial was so strong. They say that Peter swore. <laughs> of course, a fisherman will have an uncultured tongue. I'm sorry if anybody's a fisherman here, but uh, uh, most fishermen are, are very, very, very uncouth, if I may put it that way. And it's not only fishermen. Okay, I belong to the oil and gas industry. And you see people that are offshore on the seas that work in the oil, oil gas platforms. They're also very uncultured. Their language is not is not nice. If you go to some of the drilling rigs where they do the actual drilling, where you have rustabouts, we call them rustabouts or so, you find that the language there is terrible. So I guess Peter falls into that bracket. So when they came and asked him the third time, he practically swore. He wanted to belong to the worldly culture. He wanted to belong to the worldly uh, lingua. I was talking to the youth yesterday. I said one of the challenges the youth have now is that it's no longer fashionable to be Christians. And they're looking for so, so many ways to be accepted by the world. Which is very, very difficult. But they don't understand that they're different from the world. Peter here wanted to belong to the foes. He was warming himself around the fire. He wanted to be one of them. But he has been called out. The way me and you have been called out. We're not part of this world. Even as adults, we should be able to stand out. Now, the youth and the children, please know this. You're not part of this world. Whatever is displayed in social media, in newspapers, whatever the culture is, that is not your culture. You have a heavenly culture. And Jesus needed to deal with Peter on these things. He needed Peter to know that you're not no longer a fisherman. You're my apostle. And I have a better use for you. That's what I said. When you're sifted, God wants to build you up spiritually. But the good, news, the good thing was you find that also that Peter also grew in grace through this denial. This same Peter that had all these issues in the courtyard, if you go back to the book of 1 Peter, 1, 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 6, I'll read it. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Oh, from a proud guy to someone preaching of humility. Can you see 
how his spirituality has been blessed from where he was coming from and to where he was able to write this in first peter from pride to humility are you seeing that aspect you go to the second part in first peter because i'm using the book of peter the books that he wrote for you to see how he has changed spiritually first peter 5 8 to 9 it says be sober be vigilant vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that some sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world oh for someone that was sleeping to someone that is telling you to be vigilant he learned the hard way how to be diligent he learned the hard way how to move for being lazy to be vigilant <coughs> and this was part of the things that got him to that point he wrote this so he must have learned something from it he also learned to glorify god okay in first peter 4 16 he says yet if anyone suffers as a christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify god in this matter what am i saying i gave you some attributes of peter and i'm giving you some attributes that you would have seen as his latter part of his years he learned from them we talked about he gained humility he gained diligence he's glorifying god now the next one is in second peter chapter 3 verse 13 to 15. second peter 3 13 to 15 and i'll read it nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and new birth in which righteousness dwells therefore beloved looking forward to these things be diligent be found in peace without spotless and blameless and consider that the long suffering of our lord is salvation is also our beloved brother paul according to the wisdom given to him has written to you now peter was writing that we're no longer part of this world a guy that was trying to be accepted by the world trying to say okay i don't know jesus i'm one of you He's writing and saying, I'm no longer part of this world. I'm looking up to the new heavens. He had to be sifted to get there. Now, my question to you that I'm asking is, are you part of this world? Sometimes when we're sifted, God wants to get our attention. To be able to build us spiritually sometimes god just wants to say i want to get your attention child i need you to pray i need you to come back closer to me i need you to learn a lesson i need you to grow with me and it's very important in these last days that our paradigm shifts in james 1 2 to 4 James 1, 2 to 4. It says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. If there's anything that the pandemic has caused is that a lot of us are faced with a lot of trials. Joblessness, the future, what will it hold for me? Sickness. So many things. I'm yet to see a person that says he's not facing trials in this person's day and age. I can't see anybody. But everybody has one form of trial. Everybody has one form of sifting. But in James, it says, count it all joy. We're into four diverse realms. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. That's what God wanted for Peter. To be perfect and complete for his work. So the same thing I say to you. Hang in there. 
Because I know that God wants to build you spiritually. It's not a time to fall by the wayside. It's not a time to pray less. It's not a time to read your Bible less. It's a time to pick up and double your effort. Number two, I know the first one I said was for God to build you up spiritually. Okay? Number two is to bless someone. Is to bless someone. You go through a lot and you start wondering what's happening. But I tell you, what you're going through is going to be used to bless someone else. Is it you have had a heartbreak in a relationship? God might send somebody along the same that you might be able to comfort and minister to the person. Have you lost a child? You might end up meeting someone that loses a child. And you might only be the source of comfort for that person. Have you lost a job? Someone might have lost a job. I might be able to comfort him and show him the way. Have you ever had a health challenge? It might be to bless someone. I can remember the testimony of Brother Claudie. He said he went to the hospital and after he came out, he found out that God took him there to minister to people so that they could get saved. Have you gone through financial luck? You might be able to train someone that has gone through luck. Have you backslidden? Your testimony might bring someone back to the fold. So whatever you're going through, whatever you have gone through, let me tell you, is to bless someone also. God will send someone there that you will be able to speak to the person, that you'll be able to bless the person. If you're going through life, any issue in life, the most people that you will listen to are the ones that have gone through what you're experiencing. And then you will be able to learn from them and they're able to come out of it. That's why Peter could write those things in First Peter or the books of Peter to bless all of us now. Okay? Now, I've mentioned the first one, to build your spiritually, to bless someone. And the third one is to benefit the kingdom of God. <laughs> to benefit the kingdom of God. I'm going to read John chapter 21, verse 15 to 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know what I love you. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him, the third time, do you love me? I said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, the third point I said is to benefit the kingdom of God. Now, when this conversation happened, Jesus had already appeared to the disciples. This was one of them, that they were fishing by the sea. And they asked him, have you caught anything? And Jesus asked him to throw the net on the other side. They said Peter came out of his boat and ran to the master. And when they sat down, the breakfast was already waiting for them. The Lord had already made breakfast for them. He was asking Simon this. And when he was asking it, God is very, very humorous. <laughs> Simon Peter denied it three times. And Jesus asked him this three times. Even though Jesus knew the answer. He knew that Peter had learned the lessons he was asked to learn. And it was his own way of restoring Peter back to the fold. 
Because what? Because Peter would get to him. I mean, he would, there was a benefit for the kingdom of God for Peter to be restored. And that's why it says, feed, tend, and feed my sheep. Whatever you're going through is to benefit the kingdom of God. To share your experiences. And that's why it's very important when we meet in our individual meeting groups. Share your testimonies. Share your victories. Share your failures. Because in that, we're building one another. You're building the kingdom of God. Don't be afraid. This is what my life was. This is the way it is. You're benefiting someone. Look inwards. Look to the body of Christ. And that's why it was important that Peter had this, and Jesus had this conversation with Peter. And we can see how Peter's life grew, how the church was blessed by Peter. His restoration was complete. Feed, tend, and feed. My sheep, you say, who's my sheep? It's only Pastor Abraham that has sheep. <laughs> I'm telling you that's totally wrong. <laughs> you have your sheep. You have your areas of influence. You have your families. You have your extended family. You have your friends. Those are your sheep. You have to tend to them. Whatever you are learning, whatever you have learned, whatever you have, and let me say something, you're not too young. You're not too young. 13, 14, 15. Share with your friends your experiences. That's what the Lord says, feed my sheep. And those I have brought under your care, you tend to them, to pastor them, to teach them. I'll challenge every man in the bread of life. How many youth are you mentoring? How many have you called, especially? Forget about your own kids. It's a, it's, it's a normal requirement. How many of them have you picked interest to, to speak with, to mentor them, to tend to them? To find out how they are is a challenge. Even in your offices, how many have you picked in your office and find out about their well-being to even mentor them? They might not be Christians, but you're taking them somewhere. That is what it means to feed my sheep, to tend my sheep. Praise the Lord. So those three things I've mentioned is to build your spiritually, to bless someone, and to bless the kingdom of God. Now, am I saying that we won't be sifted? I'm saying yes, we'll be sifted. We're going to go through it. But I have some good news. God has gone ahead of us. <laughs> In Luke 22, 32, it says, But I pray for you that your faith shall not fail. When Jesus was telling Peter this, is our Pray for you. God has said, I've gone ahead of you. I've gone ahead of you. And that's why when Jesus turned around and looked at Peter, and that called the advice, what he was telling him was, Emmanuel, I am with you. At this particular point in time, I am with you. And that is why at that point in time, Peter wept bitterly. God had told him, but God was still there for him. God was suffering. He was being beaten. He was going to the cross. But he was there available for him. Now, if God has gone ahead of us and prayed for us, whatever you're going through, God has gone ahead of you. Whatever the doctors have said, he has gone ahead of you. Whatever the labor market has said, he has gone ahead of you. Whatever difficult the boss is, he has gone ahead of you. Whatever target he has been given, he cannot achieve, he has gone ahead of you. Whatever children have given difficulties, he has gone ahead of you. I pray for you that your faith should not fail. Brothers, our faith should not fail at this kind of time. We have a promise from our Savior that he has prayed for us. He has gone ahead of us. That's the good news that we can have. The second point is advantage for us. You can prepare yourself and understand the devil's strategy. Nothing should shake you. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to 13, 
It says, therefore, let him who thinks stands, take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to. But with temptation, will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Praise the Lord. But this knowing all this means I can prepare myself. When it starts coming to you, when issues or trials starts coming to you, remember this message. Remember that you have a strategy. And that's why Peter at the end, when the devil knew, he knew what he was doing because he has had this experience. So when you see the devil picking on you, you know that you have a glorious future. When you see the devil picking on you, you know that you are meant to bless somebody, you are meant to bless the kingdom of God. But then you need to stand your faith. Your faith cannot be shaken because that is the main point. The devil wants to shake your faith. So in conclusion, I think I've taken a lot of your time. Uh, let me just round up. In conclusion, so do not be afraid if there are pressures in your life or you have failed. Okay? Do not be afraid if you have pressure in life or you have failed. What I'm asking you is you need to get up, restore your relationship with Christ. And it will bring out the best in you for the glory of the Lord. Peter got up. He restored the relationship with Christ. He says, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I denied you, but I love you. And it will bring out the relationship. It will bring out the best for you. It will bring out the best in your life. So I don't know what you have failed. I don't know what feeling you have had in your life. I don't know what setback you have. Restore that relationship with God the way Peter is. And to bring out the best in you for the glory of God. And that is my one. That's what I'm saying here. Be blessed and be encouraged. God bless you. Over to you, Pastor. Praise the Lord.